Hi, I'm Sarah Shea. And I'm Strangely Duesberg. Welcome to the Pilot House. A podcast where we watch all the shows we missed the first time around. And try to figure out where the heck they were going with this. Sarah, what do you know about Gilligan's Island? I know as much as is in the theme song. I don't think there is a person alive who has heard of Gilligan's Island who doesn't at least know the brief. Yeah. Right? Do you think that's safe to say? I, I, I'm sure there are youngsters who've never even heard of it, right? But like... But I mean, the, the brief is like people marooned on an island. Yeah. Shenanigans ensue. Yeah. So there's like Gilligan, the skipper, a movie star, a millionaire, a professor. The millionaire has a wife too, right? Millionaire yeah. and his wife. Yeah. Is the movie star named like Gidget? <laughs> wow. You know way less about the show than I do. Apparently I should have asked you. So tell me, strangely, what do you know about Gilligan's Island? I know all of that. Um, the only, like, single episode I can recall in any detail is there's one where Gilligan m- makes, like, a stick with marks on it, and he, like, puts it in the water, and then through his observational science determines that the island is sinking. And so everyone's, like, panicked about it for a while until they realize he's not measuring at the same time of day. There's a thing called oh the tide. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. I confess, I don't think I remember any specific episodes. I know, yes, so the cast is the Skipper and, and Gilligan. They are the, mm-hmm. the crew of this the ship. Minnow. The SS Minnow. That uh, goes out on a, apparently a three-hour tour. And uh, yeah, it's um, Ginger. The movie star. Okay, so it was a G name. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. like completely no, no. on another. No, that's why it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ginger, uh, uh, Thurston Howell the third. Is the millionaire? His wife, mm-hmm. Mrs. Howell. Uh, you've got the re- and the rest as they were originally credited. Fun fact: in the song originally it was Gilligan the skipper to the millionaire and his wife the movie star and the rest. They only had too many people, but they right. just went. Fuck those guys and the rest. While the professor and Marianne, the like country girl. Who, Marianne. The, okay. the simple yeah, country yeah. girl who is like insanely hot, but in a country way, I guess. Um, she has pigtails and doesn't wear as much makeup. So that's how she's different from Ginger. Um, the two of them pop up and the rest. And then as the show got more popular, they change it to the professor and Marianne. It's like, why didn't you just say that? Or the professor and the country girl or something like that. They just thought, no, nobody fucking cares. They all call him the professor. I have no idea what that character's name is. Oh, no, his first name is The and his last (laughs) name is Professor. Also, fun fact, that actor who plays the professor is in uh, the movie uh, This Island Earth, which was the film used for the Mystery Science Theater 3000 theatrical movie. Oh, wow. And so they constantly are making jokes like they're driving in a car and they go, so, Professor, you made this entirely out of coconuts. Fascinating. Speaking of uh, films, I fell down a little bit of a Wikipedia rabbit hole a couple years ago because mm-hmm. I was rewatching Space Ghost Coast to Coast, which is still super bizarre and inscrutable and hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but one of the first episodes, Space Ghost interviews the Gilligan yeah. the actor. I can't remember the actor's oh name. Oh my God. What is it? Bob Denver. Yeah. So he is interviews him and he's just like, how long were you on that Island? Like he's, he's joking with him. Like yeah. it was real. Mm-hmm. And the guy is, is kind of like going along with it. And it's, you know, it's space ghost. It's super yeah. bizarre and weird. But then I like, I went and looked it up. Cause I was like, how was this like at all funny or topical? Cause like space ghost was like late nineties, early aughts. Kind of yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Gilligan's Island, like, had been off the air for, like, 30-some years. But it turns out that, like, Gilligan's Island finished in 68 or whatever, whenever, you know, finished its original four or five-year time. And then over the following decades, they made, like, two or three TV movies Mm -hmm. that continued the series. And, like, at some point, it basically becomes apparent that they were stuck on the island for, like, 21 years or something like that. And the last tv movie that they made they all get off the island and they're like celebrities because you would be after that uh and they you know they kind of like react to the modern world or whatever and then at the very end of this tv movie 
they go on a boat ride together as like a fun excursion and they end up stuck on the same fucking island again. Yeah. I had no idea that the whole Gilligan's Island like uh, franchise just kind of slouched toward Bethlehem for like 35 years. Yeah, no, no, no. I actually have seen the TV movie where they finally get rescued and it's like the 80s. Right. And they're all like having a hard time. Like it's a lot of uh, like, oh, the world is not what we expected or something. But the thing is. It just sounds really dark. Here's the thing. I didn't look this up beforehand, but I believe that after that they did another TV movie that may have been intended as a pilot for a series that I think then did not get picked up. And the idea was they build a resort on the island. Oh, it's genius. On Gilligan's Island. So they can all live on the island, but they're not totally disconnected from the rest of the world. And that's how you have guest stars. Because I think the problem they ran into with Gilligan's Island was guest stars. Like, you got to have guest stars. You simply must in this time period. And I think that they did occasionally have people, like, I remember one where, like, another another wealthier millionaire showed up. (laughs) And it was, like, just kind of butts heads with them and... Like, a rescue boat comes for him in the night, but he doesn't invite them to go along because he thinks they won't want to. Because cause they're no, try- they spend the whole episode trying to cheer him up that it's super nice. Yeah. No, the, <laughs> my understanding is that they occasionally did have guest stars who would, like, get shipwrecked on the island. But then they always had to come up with a reason why that person would get rescued, but none of the other people would. And I don't know if they just didn't do it very often or they did it all the time and just went deal with it i that i don't know and i would be very curious to learn how many times someone else got rescued from the island but i would love to know also if the uh if the if that was a tv movie or if they actually had a few episodes of a, of another series or something like that i just somebody told me like the harlem globetrotters were on gilligan's island and i was like what no how did an entire basketball team get shipwrecked on this island and then rescued, but none of the other people. That is a bridge too far. And I looked it up and it was like, oh no, they didn't get shipwrecked. They like came to the island or whatever. Yeah. Like when they had the resort there. Also, I don't remember enough details to be totally confident that I didn't make all of that up. So. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's actually go watch it now. Yeah. Thank you. Most wonderful thing I ever heard of, Ginger. Gilligan and the Skipper risking everything, braving those stormy seas and fighting off the attack of savages. Reminds me of a trip I once took to Catalina on a movie producer's yacht. Hi, girls. How you come along with the sail? Great. Oh, it's almost finished. Hey, those look like my socks in there. They are. Oh. Thanks for the contribution. It's just what we needed to finish the sail. Well, that does it. Okay, I'll take it down to the raft. Wait. Huh? Don't you want to read the sail? Read the sail? Oh, it was Ginger's idea. Look what she wrote on the front. So's? S-O-S. Oh, yeah, I read it upside down. <laughs> On the other side, you wanted to write, please hurry, but we ran out of socks. I, I, I don't know what I expected. <laughs> so we just watched the first episode of Gilligan's Island, not the original unaired pilot. Uh, I did not know if this was going to be the kind of situation where there's a pilot and then there's a first episode and they don't air the pilot, but they are meant to be watched in order. Mm -hmm. But in this case, they basically reshot the beginning story. This is the beginning of the story. We don't start with them already, you know, just like dealing with being shipwrecked. This is, it opens with them waking up on the shipwrecked boat. The wrecked ship? (laughs) Is that on the wreck. On the wreck. Yeah, I guess. On the on the beached boat, which is uh, uh, washed Not up on the this water. island. Not in the water. It's on the land. Yeah. Yes. That needed all of that explanation. But yeah, uh, that was good to know. I, I I was I didn't mention it in the what we know, but I was really curious if it yeah. was going to be like. Yeah. But the original uh, pilot, apparently the unaired pilot we looked up had. Most of the same cast, but the professor was recast. And originally, Ginger and Marianne were just two secretaries named Ginger and Bunny. So they tweaked that a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, what were we wrong about? Uh, I mean, I, I think we pretty much 
nailed it. Like we knew what was going to happen. Well, I thought that I genuinely thought that Lovey was just a nickname. I did not know that that is apparently Mrs. Howell's real first name. In any event, I, I think we were both pretty spot on in our memories of the basic outline of what this is. Yeah. And what's happening here. Um, yeah. In, in terms of of tone and delivery and cast makeup and everything. I mean, this is this is exactly as I remembered. Uh, although what, what my childhood memories of watching this show, it had been colorized. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, d- I don't know that I ever saw a black and white episode of this, but I bet you on Nick at Night, which is yeah. uh, both of our experience mainly with these shows, they were probably only showing the colorized yeah. episodes. Or maybe they were shot in color later. I don't know. The only one of these old shows that, to the best of my knowledge, has never really been colorized is The Addams Family, for obvious reasons. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> it can't be. It simply must. But yeah, I think... Um, the, there were a few other things I was wrong about just that I didn't say out loud. The usual, like, oh, I didn't even know to say that because it was a more a vibe thing or whatever. Uh, the I, I realized that I had no idea what the first episode was like. I have, like most of these Nick at Night shows were tackling. I saw random episodes yeah. completely out of order as a kid. And you never end up seeing the first episode of a show like that. Yeah. I mean... I, I, I dare anyone to be like, no, I was just watching Nick at Night and all of a sudden I saw the first episode. It just seems like they never actually showed them. Well, and th- that is an interesting thing with a show like this where the, the premise is the theme song. Yeah, right. Like we're, and we're, we're there. Like, honestly, I was surprised that they had any amount of adjustment to the island arrival at yeah. all in the first episode. Like, you know, because the whole backstory is in that theme song that you could just immediately have them already have little huts and and be like we've been on this island for so long and yeah and yeah it yeah, doesn't, yeah it doesn't appreciably affect any of the plot no other I, than there's a few gags of you know the like the the millionaire and his wife think that they'll be getting back to civilization soon yeah um you know obviously we'll get into the deep psychological drama of being <laughs> cut off from the world you know as the series progresses and sure. really delve into the uh, the emotional uh component of their isolation uh you know I, I know that this this series had a lot to say about uh the trauma of of being cut off from loved ones definitely you know, it has a lot to say to uh to the modern audience in yeah. 2020 and it's extremely unracist <laughs> oh deeply, deeply i think so. actually that might have been the thing i was just thinking of that somehow i just completely had erased from my memory all the gross like jungle native type of narratives that they occasionally dealt with on this show like they they show up on this island and immediately the professor is like oh i found these uh these necklaces of shells and this mask it must be from the savage marubi tribe and suddenly i went hold on where are they i don't know that i realized that they had set off from hawaii yeah I think I thought they'd set off from California or something. And I'm like, what island are they on that's this? That could be this isolated after a three hour tour in a single storm. I didn't even think about that part. I just thought, look, the the whole, it was a three hour tour and a storm. I thought it was like, yeah, that was the conceit. And they wanted to be on a, a classic desert island. So of course it was like tropical and had coconuts. Right. I didn't even think about the fact that like they were that isolated and... That I, I'd totally, utterly forgotten. I'd erased from my memory all the weird, gross, uh, uh, jungle native type stuff. And they get right into it in this. I mean, the main plot of the episode, other than they are attempting to build a raft and go away. Like, the first half of the episode is they build a raft and Skipper and Gilligan try to, to go get help and fail. And the second half of it is... They get back on the island and they're on the opposite end of the island. They think they're on a different island and they both, both groups of people think that the other group is the savage Marubi tribe or whatever. And I, I mean, I, I don't, I didn't find any of that immediately problematic until the, because it's all, it's the, the gag is that they are imagine they're imagining a potential other that is dangerous. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not, and, and it's leading them to absurd behavior. 
That's actually an, an interesting, that would have been an interesting cultural commentary, especially some from something from this era. It's unfortunately spoiled by the button joke yeah. at the end of the episode. I think you're giving him a little too much credit, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll well, I just that. I want to be clear that it wasn't immediately inherently problematic to have people, un, uninformed people, jumping to bad conclusions. Except it's the professor who we immediately, uh, he's depicted as being uh, a professor of apparently many disciplines. He devises like a shellac for their ship out of like fruits and and like sugar and coconut sap or something it's like where do you get the sugar from these are just things they know are on islands but like he says very confidently like oh yes it's from the savage maruby tribe they're head hunters they would definitely kill us yeah he is he is very the 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 voice of reason and knowledge is giving them this information. I think that kind of undermines the sort of, oh, it's just them jumping to conclusions because they don't know anything. And then they proceed to jump to a bunch of conclusions because yeah. they don't know anything. Like, he does give them that that information that it appears to be a mask from this oh, tribe. He's, but he's the one but telling them they're in real danger. The tribe. Yeah. And he, he does continue to reinforce it, but... Gilligan and the skipper aren't with like the when the two groups get separated just everybody continues to sort of wind themselves up yeah it's in in some ways it's just like that really classic tired you know the two parties get split apart and then they're like attacking each other yes thing um and again like there's not nothing high-minded is happening here this is like very disposable comedy television yeah a lot of of sight gags a lot of yeah. the gilligan tripped over the skipper and then the skipper tripped over gilligan you know there's a yep. lot of that yep. oh and, and speaking of the skipper another thing i didn't know is that we get everyone's full names except mm-hmm. gilligan <laughs> yeah. in the intro like the they wake up on the boat um and realize they're they're stuck on this island they've been beached on the island and that little sequence was i thought actually kind of interesting because then it cuts to what you thought should have been the opening scene which was the boat the 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 wrecked uh, beached boat in the background and all of them sitting around a radio that still works that they are getting a very strong signal on also Mm -hmm. of a report a very detailed report of their own shipwreck and it's for the audience's benefit, clearly. It's, it shows, the camera shows each of the characters as, as the, the yeah. then a radio announcer says, the people on board involved uh, a, a first mate named Gilligan, full stop, the, the, the skipper of the ship, Alan Grumby, I think. No, yeah. Alan Hales uh, Jr. is the actor's name. Is there something else? Grumby? Felix Grumby? It was some yeah. very ridiculous name. Uh, and then they go through details of everyone. Like, there has been some really, uh, intense journalism going on reporting on this. They report that Marianne, exactly where she's from and what her job is. She works at the general store in, like, a small town in Iowa or something like that. They report that Ginger is a nightclub singer and that she stepped onto the tour in the dress she had just left her singing nightclub engagement in but it's like she's still wearing the dress from the night before yeah yeah but it's like it's like a what time of day was this tour and what situation led her to leave a nightclub after a gig late at night and then sometime the following afternoon step onto a a tour boat in the same dress i want to see that movie i can imagine a situation right yeah but she does not look like she didn't sleep the night before and she had a wild night she looks like she stepped off stage and straight onto the boat yep but it's also a a good question when they are depicted leaving the harbor for their three-hour tour it looks like it's the middle of the day and then minutes later it's uh, a pitch black storm which like can happen yeah out in the open ocean you can get overtaken and overwhelmed by a storm very quickly yeah and you know the also to the show's credit it does not say how long they were in the storm they could have been in the storm for days and days 
it's fair. But there's they they do say when they're sitting there listening to the radio, I think they they imply that they've already the radio report implies they've already been shipwrecked for a couple of days. Yeah. Although they all look fine. <laughs> they do hey. not. They barely look like they were in a shipwreck, much less that they've then been on an island for three days. I mean, considering the amount of bananas and coconuts and avocados that they have, like mangoes, mangoes. It this is like a, a fertile island. I, I I wouldn't mind being there for, uh, you know, 29 years. <laughs> uh, I could handle a couple of days. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, we get we get a, 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 a explicit details of everybody's life. Uh, I think the professor's name was like Roy Hinckley. Like, <laughs> I was genuinely surprised that we ever learned the skipper or the professor's name. But yeah, I mean, they, everything is all set up relatively quickly and... Then we get sort of the confusion, missed identity hijinks after Gilligan and the Skipper try to sail to civilization on a raft. Yeah, I mean, let's not uh, diminish how long that sequence took. <laughs> the, with them on the raft? Yes. I, the building the raft, yeah. the, the, the sailing of the raft. Like, they start paddling away on this raft, and while there's st- the anchor is still on shore... Uh, that was my favorite Why part. Why they had an anchor. I'm not... It, that doesn't seem like it would actually be super helpful. Well, you no, know, you need something to keep it from drifting away while you're working on it and loading it. You could tie it to, like, a stake or something, but, like, an anchor. I mean, that's a that's a pretty typical practice. If you have a boat that you're beaching on a shore, you'll have an anchor that you'll put up in the sand. Right, they had to make that anchor yeah. and take it with them. Yeah. I was just questioning how useful the anchor would be once they... Set oh, forth. Once they set well, you know more about boats than I do, though, yeah. so I will defer to I mean, you. I, I used you've to live lived, in a boat. You've, you've lived on a boat. I have not. Uh, so the yeah the the sequence where Gilligan goes back for the anchor and then like walks it out to the raft, which the skipper continues to paddle away for some reason until he goes underwater. You watch him walk all the way until he very very gradually ends up underwater. I'm they, sorry, I thought the that was so whole funny. Shot. We we paid for the raft. We're gonna film it. I fa- I found that so funny. Like the. That is, that is one of those gags that just from a performance standpoint, that that's a commitment. It's like, I'm going to hold this anger. I'm going to oh, walk into I, the water. Yeah. From a, a like commitment performance angle, that is amazing. But like, that is the kind of thing that we were in for with this. Like a lot of, we're going to show this whole bit and it is going to take its time. And then we get probably, uh, I don't want uh I don't want to overstate it, but it felt like about, I don't know, an hour and a half of them on this raft being circled by... Well, it was important to you that we not diminish it, but also that we not overstate it. I understand. (laughs) You know, we got to, we got to really, we got to navigate that narrow passage. Okay. All right. But the, 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 the big sort of, uh, I'd say like special effects action sequence of this episode is Gilligan and the Skipper on a raft fighting sharks. Yeah. Very, very small sad sharks with the floppy dorsal fin because they're they're they've they've been living in oh no i think they were real sharks but they were from captivity oh a rubber shark you could make its dorsal fin stick straight up but those look like that sad captivity dorsal fin that's whales they have the sad captivity dorsal fin. does that not happen to sharks as well i do not believe that happens to sharks well then those were not sharks because that, I, I would be shocked if they just made a bad one. They happened to make a bad rubber shark that looked exactly like a sad captivity dorsal fin. I, I have to look this up. Uh, they genuinely looked like, they looked like, at least some of the shots must have been real sharks. Although they're like hitting them and stuff. I guess they wouldn't hit real sharks. There were just like a couple of times a shark would come by the raft and Gilligan would stick his paddle his oar into the water and clearly bob denver's like oh i gotta stick it far enough underwater for the person who's underwater to break it in half like or he would like stick it underwater and it would cut to him lifting the stick out and it's got like a big chomp teeth marks out of the end of his oar you could just tell he was going like oh there's the shark i have to stick it in the water next to the shark did you get any information wow uh apparently shark fins can curl yeah, I don't know why it would be different. Well, the Since sharks they don't are know. fish, whales are mammals. I guess, yes, that is true. 
But they, 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 they don't know why that happens exactly. They've never been able to figure it out. So, yeah. Um, well, and also the drooping dorsal fins can happen in wild orca as well. That's true, but it um, doesn't very often. No, it's definitely worse in captivity. But it's like it's like whale scurvy or something. They're not getting something that. <laughs> You know, early yeah, days of yeah, scurvy, yeah. they genuinely did not know what it was that caused scurvy. Because it was something that happened when you went on a ship for a long time. And they yeah. were like, I, I read somewhere that they like had all these theories, like you needed to put bare feet on dirt or something like that yep, to stop yep. scurvy. Like bringing buckets of dirt for people to stand on on the boat. You had your prescribed like dirt bucket time. I mean, you might know, be making that part up. <laughs> but I mean, process of elimination, it kind of makes sense. Like, yeah. In terms of like evaluating potential causes, yeah, uh, I, I I genuinely learned something today that that shark fins can also curl in captivity because yeah. I it is a, it's a huge issue with captive whales, but I just was unaware that it will happen with sharks. Yeah, there are some small whales though that could have serviced. I think in that scene, yeah, it's not like you actually see their big teethy teethy toothy jaws. Toothy jaws. You do not see any jaws in this yeah. scene. Yeah, the minnow is not the orca. Wait, is that a direct reference? No, what? this was before. This was yeah, this was, this was way before Jaws. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> was it a reference in reverse? Then was yeah. the orca a reference to the minnow? Bob Denver, time traveler, confirmed. <laughs> no, I'm saying, did Jaws reference? I. I'm, Killigan's Island. I'm I sure they did. I highly doubt it. I think that's just the sort of thing people name boats. But wouldn't that be funny if that was intentional? Like, okay, what's cooler than a minnow, but not maybe as as badass as a as a great white shark? Orca. Perfect. <laughs> Nailed it. I don't know. I'm imagining a scenario that did not happen. Let's I, be clear. I I'm glad you're so tickled by this imagination. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean. This whole thing is, I know with some of these old shows, it's just like, I don't know what we were expecting to get, but like this more than any of these is just exactly like even tonally, you know, there's, there's nothing surprising. Yeah. Nothing surprising happens in this. It's yeah, it's, it's exactly what I expected and a little extra things that, uh, that I just went, I should have expected that. There was nothing where I went, I did not see that coming. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that I, I, in retrospect now looking at this, thinking about the era and everything that I do think is shocking is that they, they, there are no, there aren't any natives already on the island. That just seems like that could have been a a choice. You mean that they could have done it that way? They could have. They could have done it that way. There were like a couple, you know, there's like some natives on the island and, you know, you just cast some. Too many actors. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think they do eventually. There are episodes there are, yeah. where like, you know. Polynesian. People from, yeah, from other islands come to this island or something. I, I was sad we didn't get to see any of the kind of like uh, tiki style construction that becomes like part of the world of this island where they just have like, you know, like a radio made out of bamboo or yeah. like a, I a think car made out of bamboo. Like that we kind get of a stuff little bit fun. with uh, uh, Mr. Howell trying to play golf using yeah. an avocado pit for a ball and a clamshell strapped to a piece of bamboo yep, for his yep. putter. You get that little taste of that. But yeah, I think one of the drawbacks to watching the first episodes of these is that we're not seeing, we're not getting the vibe of things that we were, we became familiar with as kids. Mm-hmm. The everyday kind of vibe of the show as when it was like eased into itself. Yeah. And this actually, one thing I didn't expect them to address they, they got it a little more into what would really happen. Like, when they have a little, like, uh, 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 rock slide at the end, and then they're climbing out, and they're all dirty and dingy, and Ginger says, I'm fine, but look at my dress. This is the only dress I have. Like, she says it out loud yeah. to the camera, practically, to be like, the only dress I have. 
And I'm like, that's weird considering that my memory of it, at least, is that she's wearing a different dress in every damn episode. And it's just, don't think about it, you know? Yeah. Don't question it. I did feel like Marianne changed clothes during the episode, but nobody else seemed to. So I must have imagined that. I just didn't know, notice her, like, ridiculous uh, bandana pattern crop top she was wearing. And her Daisy Dukes. Wow. Those were some Daisy Dukes. She looked like she was wearing a country girl Halloween costume. Not yeah. a, not an actu- actual clothes. Much less that a country girl would wear while on a Hawaiian vacation. Didn't I, I look forward to, to learning in some future episode. Why is Mary Ann on vacation in Hawaii, but alone, apparently? She just went on a solo vacay. Yeah, you know, uh, did she win a trip or am I thinking of an entirely different... Oh, I bet you she did. I don't. I, I don't like remember that's that. The but the reason uh, that she's there. Yeah. No. But that I could be thinking right. of an entirely different uh, ensemble cast thing where there's like the sort of fish out of water place. Because if you think about the rest of the the cast that's there, you have people who are kind of of a certain wealth echelon, right? Because like there's the millionaires, but then there's a movie star. Well, she's singing in a nightclub. I don't know how much of a movie star she is. Right, but like she's someone who who would at least could reasonably be assumed to be on a fancy thing, and also well, she professor. has a reason for being in Hawaii yeah. at least. Yeah, yeah. and the, the professor is doing research. It's like everybody kind of has a reason to be there, except for, as you said, Marianne. It's yeah. Like, what do you? How did you get here? It's get interesting here? that they didn't. Uh, in the time that they spent saying where she worked in her small town. It would have been interesting if there were like a, a, a girl from named Marianne from, uh, you know, this small town who won a trip here yeah, uh, or something like that to give the explanation for why this girl from the small town who works in a general store is on a Hawaiian vacation. Uh, you know, you got to have an audience POV. This, uh, she's just a typical studio note. <laughs> I mean, honestly, originally there were going to be two secretaries yeah. just like kind of normal probably secretaries uh, you know on either on a vacation that they both saved up for and went Gal on together pals yeah just gals being pals in hawaii i i will say for this show that they do a really good job of giving everybody a strong character right out of the gate in terms of sort of differentiating all like the fact that we're you know Mm-hmm. Can, everybody sort of has their role and sort of where they fit and they they all every actor gets to have at least one little fun moment mm-hmm. in this first episode yeah. which for an ens- ensemble show even the rest oh my god that's what i was wrong about there you go strangely that's the thing oh that they're, they're, they don't even appear they're not even credited <laughs> It goes to a shot of the island when it says, and the rest. I was like, oh, that's cold. It wasn't until the, sh- the show got more popular that they got like, maybe it was second season. They got the bargaining rights to be like, hey, put us in the freaking credits. And that's why they added the professor and Marianne. Do you think maybe there was like originally a, like the professor and Mary- maybe they thought some people were going to rotate out or something like they no, weren't as contracted no. up? I, I, well, that's possible. That's totally possible. I think what it is, though, is that uh, all the other actors had enough, had, like, just enough clout to get into the credits. Mm-hmm. Like, Gilligan, Bob, whether Bob Denver had the clout or not, he's the title character. Right. And, and they might as well mention the, the skipper. And then Tina Louise, who plays Ginger, maybe she had a bit of, of something going on already at that point. But maybe the the actors who played Marianne and the professor, whose names I've already forgotten, because I didn't see them in writing on screen. And whose fault is that? Or is it because the the uh, the song was already written, but like the rest, you know, like the they had that theme song already, and they didn't have the show. No, they they had a different theme song for their original pilot. Remember? Yeah, I understand that, but I'm saying like maybe that the new theme song was written record you know like before they shot that second episode i think the reason i'm fixated on it is because they had this first pilot that didn't get aired that didn't get used and then this just seems like something that somebody was really motivated to make this thing happen 
Yeah. It seems like something that's getting kicked around at the studio or the network or whatever. And like there's there's a high powered producer or somebody really championing this show. Yeah. Because what finally appears in what we just watched in some ways is really strong and feels like a vision that has been really tooled and really put together. And like really they're kind of going for a very specific thing. But in other ways feels like there are certain things that they don't really know what to do with yet that are, are almost um, vestigial remnants of like an earlier draft. So for instance, the, uh, the, the, the character of uh, Marianne and, the, and Ginger in this, in terms of sort of their function in the story, mm-hmm. they both are the same thing. Yeah, that's something that was interesting, and I wonder if that was a holdover from them being two secretaries yeah. originally. Because you were saying we get a pretty strong um, character from each of them, but my memory of Ginger's character was that she was sort of useless in the sense of not being stupid or anything, yeah. just like not used to doing any work with her hands, really. You know, uh-huh. she's used to being beautiful and singing and dancing and acting or whatever she was doing. Yeah. Um, and the Howells being sort of similarly useless, but in a privileged way of like, we, we simply don't do, we have people who do for us. Yeah. And then you've got Gilligan, who's useless because he's just an idiot. Uh, and then you've got the skipper who's, capable but is usually defeated by his anger at Gilligan and then you've got the professor who's the only smart capable one without any caveats but in this pilot you get all of that except that all Ginger really does is help Marianne or work alongside Marianne to sew a sail out of the extra clothing that they have for the the raft and Ginger, it's Ginger who has the idea to use the extra socks they have. Apparently they had a lot of socks to sew the words SOS on the sale, mm-hmm. which is very smart. Yeah. That's a good idea. And it was her idea. And she's sitting there sewing with Marianne. Like they, what are they sewing with? It's not important. Like they're doing, they are equal parts in this venture yeah. of making this. And that feels like possibly a holdover from when they were both supposed to be secretaries. And it, yeah, that's a that's a great example of this kind of general feeling that I'm having about like it just doesn't quite feel like all the parts have clicked together mm-hmm. the way that you know a really strong first episode like the Adams family where it's like the casting is really strong, the roles are really defined, the visuals are really defined, the sets are really defined. Like everything is everything in episode 1 is exactly how my memories of episode 70 are yeah in terms of the vibe mm-hmm. and the presentation whereas this still feels like it hasn't quite all clicked in together yeah you know something i actually i wish i kind of wish i'd looked up between watch you know uh recording the what we know and now uh is that i was always under the impression that sherwood schwartz wrote the theme song as a way to pitch the show mm-hmm get this, here's the story, and built-in theme song. So I was really surprised to learn the original pilot had a different theme song. But I never looked up whether that was because they didn't have the theme song until after the initial pilot, or did the network go, we love your idea, very cute song, but we don't want to actually use the song. And then when they tried the original uh, attempt at a pilot, they went, maybe we do need this song. Maybe we do need the explanation. So I don't know that that I not knowing when the song was even conceived of is a we just don't know. And so there's no point fussing about it when I didn't look it up. Well, maybe we could do a little addendum at the end of this because that. Yeah, I'm really curious about that. And another reason that I'm so fixated on it is that it is a a very strong presentation of concept. And yet if um, Professor and Marianne are part of the strong vision of the concept why aren't they in the theme song if the theme song is the pitch yeah right now we really have to do an episode just about theme songs yeah it's weird it seems like that's something we want to do (laughs) oh well (laughs) it will never happen uh speaking of things (laughs) that i want to have happen can we move (laughs) on to our segments yes we may where did the money go This is the segment where we speculate on how they spent their money making this first episode or pilot of the series in question. Uh, Sarah, watching this epic (laughs) 
South Seas Adventure. Do you have any ideas about how they spent money on uh, this particular uh, adventure? You know, it's funny that the the two usual situations with this segment is either we say, oh, it was very evenly spent. The money was kind of like, yeah, they, they really put the money into building some great sets or blah, blah, blah. Or it's, oh, they splashed out all the money on this one big sequence just to make the first episode engaging. With this... I don't know that I would say that they very evenly spent the money, but like they must have spent quite a bit of money building the, yeah, like there are several different uh, on location beach shots Mm -hmm. and several fake jungle sets Mm -hmm. and the whole sequence in the, uh, on the raft in the water with, I think, real sharks. I guess we could look that up, whether those were real sharks or not, but I think at least some of the shots were real sharks around their actual... Yeah. Not, like, cut to wildlife footage, right. but, like, actual sharks around Bob Denver and Alan Hill Jr. Yeah, there, there's no super noticeable splash-outs of money on this. As the years have gone by, and we've made more and more Pilot House and asked this question a lot, it's interesting to kind of think about this is i have a friend who produces television he's worked with mtv and a few other things and he really respects anything where you can't tell what money is being spent on Mm -hmm. we're just all is like it all looks the same there's not one scene that suddenly looks really nice or one location that's obviously very nice like it's sort of all the same And, and this genuinely other than like the very hard cuts from outdoor location shooting to indoor sets yeah yeah and he, even <laughs> they had they're a on month. a beach well, let's build a fire cut to a set of a jungle and he got, and then he says he goes it's so much warmer here than it was on that open beach like he like, like, hangs a lampshade on it yeah it's so obviously a set indoors <laughs> i didn't even think about that being him him you know pointing it out but yeah it's like it, it's I did think like where are they supposed to be that's so much warmer just closer to the tree line like are they where are they anyway in a climate controlled studio <laughs> uh, on the nosy but yeah I, I mean honestly I think probably the the most uh, expensive thing was setting up that whole uh, rock slide uh, <laughs> choreographed rock slide oh my god that was so so the, they yeah the the professor sets up a trap that's with a cave that's supposed to trigger a rock slide when they think that there's some other mysterious person, possibly these natives, going to attack them. And then they do a bunch of business about, careful, don't trigger this this vine, which is like a, a fuzzy rope lying on the sand. And they're like... People are stepping on it constantly and stumbling over it and all this like big like, who's you? What? Huh? They have this whole big thing. And only at the very end when it's time does Gilligan actually get his foot underneath it and like really go for it. Like he had to like get his foot under it and then walk strongly forward. Like the, the, the professor even says the second someone touches this, it'll interfere with the tension and create the, the rock slide. And it's like, he went this vine and like picks it up several inches and then drops it back down. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh God, it was so obvious. Like this is going to be triggered when they want it to and not a moment before. <laughs> and who cares how many people step on it and trip over it before then? You just, you know who's going to be responsible. Oh, yes. He, Gotta yeah, be that Gilligan. The, the Gilligan character is just an embodiment of Chekhov's gun. Like this is, he's just like. He's a living Chekhov's gun. He's a living Chekhov's gun. (laughs) Jean-Paul Sartre, this is not. (laughs) There is... um... Gilligan's Island is other people. (laughs) And scene. No, I really think that that was the message of the show, that like Gilligan's Island is purgatory. I thought thought that was kind of accepted on the internet, no? Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to our next (laughs) segment, which we like to call... Cliffs and Chips! This is the segment where we talk about uh, the predictions for the future of the show, uh, what we think might be a 
season one cliffhanger at the end of the season. Uh, any relationships we would like to see blossom or develop or go in a certain direction? Strangely, you have thoughts? Yeah, this is the first show we've watched this season that I feel like actually has potential for doing a, a more traditional uh, Tumblr kid, Cliss and Ships kind of uh, <laughs> outlook on it. Because you, you have uh, a bunch of attractive single people on the island and also Gilligan and it's the three stripper. a bunch <laughs> yeah well, it's a it's a gaggle it's a loose no I, 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 I don't know the I, I don't know if three I said is a, a bunch. bunch because I was like there's seven people and then I was like wait they're married that's Gilligan but you know you see yeah. what I'm saying like there there are more single people than usual yes obviously we weren't able to do much in the way of cliffs and ships with like the Adams family yeah or I love Lucy <laughs> Everyone is already married on I Love Lucy. Yeah. But yeah, I, 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 see, I see where you're going with this. Uh, are you working your way up to a particular ship? Uh, I mean, not based on the information we're given in this first episode. But yeah. I, I just, I, and I don't have strong enough memories of the show from back in the day, but I think sort of Gilligan and, and, Maybe Marianne kind of are like a TV will they won't they somebody there's like some TV will they I think won't Ma- they if there was one romance? it would be the professor and Marianne, and Marianne or the professor and Ginger potentially I don't think uh, well, I'm just Gilligan so... is is like a a, a genderless sexualityless gremlin <laughs> sorry Bob Denver's memory wow I apologize it's Damn, the character sorry. not not the man the character but, you know it's like you know somebody like sort of unrequited crush or whatever like yeah sure that's the sorry. kind of thing i'm talking about yes uh i didn't say it was <laughs> so reciprocated sorry. God, that was really mean it's all right i'm uh, sorry to that man i uh i'm gonna transcribe that and that's just gonna that's gonna be my tinder bio now it's like, <laughs> A uh, picture of me with a little uh, bucket hat. Yeah. In any case, though, all of the moving parts are there that you could set up any number of pairings and sort of have audience interest in that vein. Yeah. No, it's interesting because I genuinely don't remember if there was ever any even like hints of uh, potential romance between any of the three uh, sexy single characters. <laughs> and by sexy single characters, you are, of course, referring to... The skipper Gilligan and the professor. Yes. <laughs> that that professor, that dude's hot. Like, oh yeah, he is, he's a he hunk. Is TV hunk. He's, uh, I mean, he's not, uh, uh, he's not the hero in, um, he's not the main character in The Island Earth, but he's not not there to be pretty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> also, uh, plus WC for This Island Earth, very good. Plus what? Plus WC plus word choice. Good job. It's a good. Oh gosh, I didn't even think about that. Oh. The island Earth. I... Oh my god, I have watched that movie so many times, and they make Gilligan's Island jokes constantly, and I never, I never connected that the movie has island in the title. I mean, it's because it's it's a very uh. esoteric '60s. Ah. It has nothing to do with the plot of the movie. There is no island. Oh. No one says in the text of the film that Earth is now. Anyway, oh my god, I can't believe that never clicked. Uh, so yeah, there there <laughs> are potential ships, but there's nothing I really want. Yeah, I kind of ship the professor and Marianne, but I remember there being in that TV movie where they get rescued a whole thing about how Marianne had like faithfully, you know. Remained remained in love with her fiance and just been was sort of sad if understanding that he didn't wait for her or whatever you know like but I which you know doesn't mean there wasn't one episode where she and the professor try to go on a date and it just you know Gilligan crash lands in the middle yeah. of their romantic dinner for two. <laughs> uh, in terms of cliffs, I'm really, really excited to see uh, what is inside the hatch when they finally open it at the end of season one. Yeah, that cave is going to be their hatch, right? Yeah, yeah. What's in the cave? You know, I, I think uh, it seems obvious that um, a, a real potential rescue that gets thwarted would mm-hmm. be teased at the end of the first season. But I feel like 
it was a recurring thing on this show that they almost get rescued a bunch of times. So they might just do that in the second episode. Like yeah. they, they barely miss a, a, a rescue or something like that. They might deal with that right pretty quick. There might not be anything in the way of a, of a cliffhanger, but I would love the first season of Gilligan's Island ending with, uh, you know, a, a plane landing and being like, well, hello. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, a... and then the guy says like, Oh god, I was trying to think of a twist. They'd be like, "Oh no!" It's like, I it's like a new guy shows up on the island. They're like, "How did you get here?" And he's like, "I walked over that bridge." <laughs> what was that line about uh, that Mr. Howell says about we burn their bridge? I feel like that's got to be a reference to a, a film from the time or something. Oh yeah, he's like, "We got to we got to stop these bastards." And the the way we do it, first step one, we blow up their bridge. And he's like, "They don't even have a bridge. They've outsmarted us already." Clever devils. Yeah, like I was like, "That's got to be a reference to a specific movie or something from the time, some kind of reference, but I don't know what it is." Uh, if you know, please call us at 1-800-P-I-L-O-T-H-O-U-S-E. You have to dial all of those letters. 1-800-I-LOVE-BRAND-NEW-CARPET. <laughs> anyway, where were we? I, just in case this is the thing, I have a vague notion that in the 50s and possibly early 60s, it was like a thing in uh, like John Wayne type war movies that it would end with like the the the, the men on a mission genre. Mm-hmm. You, they would have to blow up a bridge. That was a pretty stock objective. Yeah. For for these men on a mission movies, and so it's like they're going for like a sort of a topical of yeah. the time joke. It might have been just that, and this, yeah. that was so a thing at the time that you would get it. I, it felt to me like a reference to something specific, but it might have been just, that was a thing people did a lot. But this is why the Shrek style of comedy is not good. (laughs) Uh, It's not nearly as timeless as a buffoon in a bucket hat carrying an anchor into water that is above his head. Yeah. That is timeless. (laughs) Timeless comedy. Uh, I need need a, I need a gif of that, that moment and it'll just be like. Me clicking on a Wikipedia article. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to our next segment. (laughs) What will this show be? In this segment, we speculate about what the day-to-day of the show will be, what will happen in any given episode. Uh, It will be more of this. Moving on, next segment. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, This is a segment where we talk about whether we recognized anybody in the show. Um, This is a little harder to do with these iconic old shows that we've already seen some bits and pieces of. I already acknowledge that I know uh, the actor who plays the professor from This Island Earth. Um, Do you, have you seen any of the actors from the show in anything else other than that? Not other than Space Ghost Coast to Coast, no. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I have no recollection of of it if I did. Yeah. I don't know that I would have recognized them had I done so. To be honest, whether I would have recognized the professor if they hadn't constantly made jokes about him being the professor is really like a 50-50 mm-hmm. chance. He's just, I don't know, he's, he's a very good looking guy, but I don't know that he has a super distinctive face. You know what I'm saying? I, I do. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen any of them in anything either. This is the kind of thing is like all the people I went to high school with, I wouldn't be able to tell you their names if I saw them out in the world. <laughs> but like if you showed me a bunch of photos and you're like, you went to high school with these people. Yeah. I could probably name like a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, it seems like the actor who plays, uh, Mr. Howell seems like I must have seen him in something else. Like, well, but also. Well, part. <laughs> But, like, he's just kind of doing, like, a Jimmy... Sp- oh, my God. That, that voice, he is doing such an over-the-top. Yeah. That's the best that, part. Well, hey, don't turn off the tech... What is this? I don't thing? care who they are. They can't play through. They can't play through. You're doing, you're doing more Jimmy Stewart than he was. Well, it's just, like, as soon as my voice gets in here, that's all I can do. He has to do... You know, you need a little more of the nasal sort of 
I am looking down my nose at you, sort yeah, of voice. You need more of that. It's just hard for me to do that because I have Less, no, There's no what? cartilage in my nose for me to do that with. We've talked about this. I'm just stuck. Okay. And that was our us the, doing funny voices the, segment of the, the show. The worst part is whenever I try to do Sean Connery, it just becomes Jimmy Stewart. It's just, it just happens to me. I am, I am the last one. I was okay. born in ancient Egypt. How okay. is that a real movie? Next segment. I choose you. This is the segment where we choose our favorite character. I am going to sort of flip the question a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. Uh, if you could pick one of these characters to be stuck on a deserted island with, who would you pick and why? I mean, the professor seems like the obvious choice. He's the only one who's even vaguely capable. Then again, it does seem like sometimes he thinks he knows something and then he's wrong. So that can be da- almost more dangerous. Uh-huh. Somebody who just doesn't know, th- who knows they don't know anything. I'm still going to go with the professor. He's a hunk. Yeah, he's definitely a hunk. Well, if he's ta- if you've taken him, then... I... I don't know why I just think I would have fun with Gilligan. He just, <laughs> he has that, that holy fool energy, right? Hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like he's, sure. he's kind of got like a, he's got a good spirit. If you wanted to go a little more mercenary with it, you could say one of the howls because they are the one most likely to be rescued. Ooh. They're the ones who most likely to have someone on land who is willing to spend every expense to retrieve them yeah and it doesn't actually happen in the show but in this other scenario in which we are actually stranded on desert island with one of these people yeah uh that's that's uh you i think you're most likely to survive with the professor you're most likely to get rescued with one of the howls um most especially likely. imagine ooh, imagine you're stranded with lovey Oh, and Mr. Uh, Howell is going to start, spare no expense rescuing his wife. Spare no expense. Yeah. Uh, you're most likely to probably like uh, have some laughs with Gilligan. Yeah, you, you'll you'll attain enlightenment. Yeah. Although, I bet you Marianne. Um, I don't know if they actually let her be this on the show. She'd probably be actually more capable than the professor. The professor has knowledge. Mm-hmm. But Marianne lives in, like, a small town and on, probably on a farm, like, the way they depict her. Like, yeah. she's probably done more things with her hands. She's probably, like, done more work and, like, built things before. That's that's a really good point. Yeah. Who Who's your who's your least, least desirable choice? Actually, I hate to say it because I don't want to be mean, but maybe the skipper. He's got a short fuse, that guy. Uh, oh, yeah. And he... Does not actually want to do any work. He just, he makes Gilligan do everything. I Uh noticed that right at the, practically at the top. He's like, Gilligan, have you finished the raft yet? Like, dude, you know what Gilligan's like. Why are you letting him do the raft himself? Yeah. If you, you recognize he's a bit of a dope. So why are you using him as labor while you direct how to build the raft? Of all the people in the show, for the for the skipper to be surprised by their behavior or the outcomes of them doing anything, Gilligan should not be the one. Yeah. He's your dude. Yeah. You two know each other from before the three-hour tour. You pay him. You hired him. Yeah. You chose this man. <laughs> he might have not had a lot of other options, but uh, yeah, you've worked with this guy on your boat. You know exactly what a dope he is. Why are you... Also, it's just it's just insane to be on a desert island and be like, somebody else build a raft. I need to just walk around and harumph. I, I also would not want to be stranded with Ginger. I feel like she is the character most likely to be going through some sort of substance withdrawal as soon Ooh. as they hit the island. Yeah, and not used to doing a lot with her hands. Mm-hmm. Well, anything useful anyway. Hey! Hey! Moving on! <laughs> Final verdict! Alright, this is the segment where we ask, did this pilot do the job of a pilot and make you want to watch more? With the sort of caveat for these Nick at Night ones of uh, 
does not it caveat, sell the but the, show? the additional question of does it set up what the show will eventually be since we know in these cases. I think this does a pretty good job of setting it up, although we don't get as much of the, like, you know, them living in huts and building things out of coconuts. Rhymes. <laughs> Poet, and I didn't even know it. Yeah, I, I, it's weird that in some ways, because of how this just kind of did its thing, I don't really have as much to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not confusingly bad or weird in the way that some of the shows we've watched over the years have been where it's like I don't know what they were trying to do here like what 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 was the goal here what what were we trying to accomplish uh I feel that this was a pretty strong presentation of what they wanted to do uh I don't have any desire to watch more no I I feel like they this they set up the premise they set up the kind of shenanigans that are going to occur but yeah, definitely as someone revisiting it with some nostalgia, it didn't actually make me want to watch more of it. Now that we've watched a few of these, mm-hmm. it's interesting to see which of them I actually go, oh man, I forgot what a delight this is. Give me more. As I did with Batman, for example. Yeah. Or and ones that I'm like, oh my God, this is worse than I remember. Please no more. Uh, shows that will remain nameless. Uh, and this one where I'm like, no, they, they did what they were doing and, and it was fun to watch, but I don't, that satisfied. I think that's, that was what I, ha- I felt for uh, Adam Family. Like, yeah. oh, they clearly, yeah, they knew exactly what they were about. That was a delight to revisit, but I didn't especially want more of it. Yeah. With, with a show like Adam's Family, it's like my memories of it are exactly right. And if I ever want that exact taste again, I know that I can go get it. From that exact show again. Yeah. Whereas... Oh, I just realized this would be a perfect candidate for our thing about... Look up a list of, like, the best episodes. Oh, because I'm sure this in its history has some bananas episodes. Yeah, like, give me the five top episodes where things get bananas with literal bananas, probably. Like, give me the top five episodes where... Uh, an, um, like a ridiculous guest star shows up on the island. Like yeah. I, I would maybe watch some of those if you gave me those for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. If you told me some, you know, it's just like a post bond. Sean Connery was on an episode of Gilligan's Island or some weird <laughs> shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I have to see that. Some bananas, like, like some like actual, like his, not historical. Um, what's everyone looking for? Like a politician, some yeah. real life person shows up on the show or something. I don't know. It seems like I know well, there's that episode in season three when Nelson Mandela, like, <laughs> yeah, I remember that too. <laughs> That's the uh... real Mandela effect. Oh, oh man. I can s- immediately see so many jokes stretching out in front of me of like things you could pretend the Mandela effect is about. Like, yeah, it's weird. Like a lot of people remember Nelson Mandela being a guest on Gilligan's Island, but he never, he never was. Never was. Oh boy. Anyway. <laughs> well, and there was that time that uh, uh, Shaq played a genie. On Gilligan's Island? Island Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they meet this family of talking bears. Yeah. Whose name is definitely spelled with an E. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and then there's that whole thing where where, uh, uh, Sally Field flies to the island, like with her her wimple. Wait, is is there a Mandela effect regarding the flying nun? No, I just... Oh! Jeez, I was like, I, just, I, I, uh, I need to know. Please tell me I just wanted this, this to be everybody's weekly reminder that that was a show that existed. Yeah. Now, I did not know for sure if she literally flew in that movie or, or that show. or if it Oh, was, yeah. She literally could fly. It's Yeah. So the, the whole premise of that show is Sally Field, tiny woman who has, you know, the, the, the nun thing where they kind of look like wings. Uh-huh. And the, the premise is that she's such, she's so tiny and the wind is so powerful at this one abbey that it lifts her off the ground and she can fly. I, you know, I'd we should watch pictures. that show for this yeah. podcast because it is. I've heard of that show. I've seen a picture of her in the outfit and I went, is it just a joke on the fact that it looks like she has wings or is there some other explanation for what, for the name being the flying nun? Like, is she a pilot? Like no, what no, is like, she literally, she literally flies around like a superhero and like gets into hijinks where her flying is important. Wow. Yeah. 
I think she like saves people from an airplane crash. And so it's, yeah. Okay. Well, hey, uh, if you want us to cover the Flying Nun on a future episode of this podcast, please call 1-800-FLYING-NUN and dial 1 for yes and 2 for no. 1-800-FLYING-NUN on Pilot House. You got to type in all the letters. (laughs) Oh, well, on that note. Bye. That's perfect. Thanks for listening to Pilot House. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pilot House Pod. Visit our website, pilothousepodcast.com, or email us at pilothousepodcast at gmail.com to suggest future topics. Please share this episode with a friend or rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find us. Our podcast is entirely listener-supported. So thanks to our special guest stars, Cynthia, Tina, Juniper, and Jerry. Visit patreon.com slash pilothouse to find out how you can become a series regular. Pilot House is a Herringbone Society production. So, Sarah, I went and looked this up about uh-huh. the theme song, and at least it seems to, and again, this is from MeTV, uh, it seems that the reason that it ends with the rest is because uh, Tina Louise's contract stipulated that she appear last in the credits. So in other words, like she got bottom billing. Yeah. And based on the rhyme scheme or whatever, uh, Schwartz just changed it to say the rest because it would have made the rhyme scheme awkward. Yeah. Uh, Obviously they should have appeared in the credits at least. So, uh, according yeah. to this, uh, De- uh, Bob Denver stuck his neck out and was like, "You got, you got to have everybody." Yeah, and that's how, why it got changed for later seasons. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, it it's just like a says issue. Yeah, in current Wikipedia, it says Professor and Marianne were originally considered "quote unquote" second build co-stars, and so were referred to as the rest. But with the growing popularity of those characters, their names were inserted into the lyrics in the second season, yeah. which both may be true. Yeah. There's another little bit on Wikipedia about um, Bob Denver personally asking the executives to add uh, uh, Russell Johnson and Don Wells to the song we play Professor and Marianne. Apparently, um, he insisted and went so far as to state that if they were not included, he wanted his name out of the song as well. And that's when the studio caved. So extra confirmation that Bob Denver, good dude who does not deserve what I said about him. Unfortunately, I could not find any confirmation of the thing I thought I had heard that he wrote the song as a pitch for the Mm -hmm. show. So I'm assuming that's not true since there's nothing about it on the Wikipedia and I didn't want to look much further than that. However, while I was looking it up, I found out a delightful piece of information. Do you want to hear it strangely? No, I am desperate to hear it. Okay. Bob Denver was not the first choice for Gilligan. Do you know who was? Uh, it's someone Jerry who's appeared. Lee Lewis. It's someone who's appeared on Pilot House before. Oh, I mean, oh, I'm trying to think of literally anyone else who's uh, <laughs> from this time period, right? Yeah. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, yeah, hit me. Jerry Van Dyke, Dick Van oh. Dyke's brother, <laughs> and instead of choosing to do Gilligan's Island, what did he pick? My, My mother, mother the, the car. car! Oh my god. Not amazing. (laughs) Oh, not since Sean Connery turning down uh, Lord of the Rings to do. And The Matrix. And The Matrix, yeah. Have I heard such a story as that? Oh, Mm. Jerry. Jerry. What were you thinking? Nice going, Jerry. Yeah, you could have been the title character. That's better than. I mean, title character and lead. Oh, also fun fact. The actress who played Mrs. Howell uh, said she accepted the role because it involved her being flown to Hawaii and she thought it would be a nice vacation because obviously such a ridiculous concept would never get picked up. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! Fun. All right, that's it.